We're going to take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Peter. Um, this is 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. As I mentioned this morning, uh, this, this particular passage of Scripture, I've read through it many times, but this morning, uh, it really hit me. This is very, very relevant for me in my life at this time. This is, uh, this is like the Lord... Uh, bringing me right under the microscope and just showing me with his word and his truth and showing me that I need to take serious what he's saying. That these are things that are very important in me and my life. And obviously they're important for you and your life. And uh, the verses, I know exactly what the verse is saying. Um, this has been in times past where there was some confusion, but there's not any confusion anymore in my mind about this verse. And, uh, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to communicate it effectively to you like, like it really hit me in my studies and my heart. Um, it's just kind of frustrating because I, I, the, the, what God is saying and doing in my life is impacting me, but it's hard for me to pass that on to you in a way that, that relates effectively. But we will look at it. We're we looking at verse 20. And in verse 20, um, well, before we do this, pray and ask God's blessing on this time. Lord, thank you for your abundant mercy and grace. You are so very good to me, to us. I really appreciate your patience. I appreciate your mercy. I appreciate your grace. I'm so thankful that you are my God and that you are a God of mercy and grace. And I'm thankful the way that you work even though i will confess that there are many times i've gone to you in prayer about things that are extremely important in my opinion and you seem to be giving a deaf ear um not concerned not even listening perhaps doing other things i know in my mind in my heart that that's not true i know you hear i know you are very concerned and I know that my prayers are interpreted by you or to you by the Holy Spirit, which is in perfect harmony with your will. I know all of those things. And I know that you begin to answer those prayers. And I turn for revelation and I find that, uh, that these prayers, which I've been praying and others have been praying over the centuries, are being brought, being stored up and brought to you uh, at that day and that moment, that hour, when you're beginning to break the seven seals and you're going to rectify everything. And the very first thing on the docket, if I'm reading that text correctly, after you start to break the seals and start to turn things around is you're going to answer those prayers or take them seriously. I know you're taking them seriously now, but I know you also work through circumstances through uh, people who are, and, and demons as well, who are resisting and fighting, and uh, you're working to bring about your perfect will, and you're doing it, and nothing is going to evade or change that, and that uh, you're going to be successful in doing what you want to do and what you plan to do, but you use our prayers for your glory, and I'm thankful to you for that. So I'm praying as I, as I go through all these things and see what you're doing, I'm praying that you'll help us to understand what you're doing in our lives and help us to cooperate with you and not to be a problem child 
like we were talking about this morning in school, giving the teachers a hard time, but that we will be in, in perfect harmony with you and your will and comply with you because that is right and that is good and it glorifies you. And so we ask your blessing upon this time and upon the text and upon our lives. And I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Well, in the text, one of the, I guess the best place to start, first of all, is we know that the text begins in chapter two with the introduction to the fact that we are dealing with false prophets, false teachers. False prophets also arose among the people, just that will also be false teachers among you. And so here you have these false prophets and these false teachers that Peter's talking about that, is, that have arisen at times in the church, in the fellowships of, in the fellowship of God's group, God's people. He goes on talking about these people that rise up within the church will exploit you with false words. They will be speaking things and you will be listening to those things and you will hear those things uh, and uh, that uh, they are motivated by greed and they are motivated by sensuality. And the question that uh, the question that arises in my mind is how do these false prophets and false teachers get into the church to start with? And uh, because you, you would think the church is here and if somebody comes in and they're a false prophet, you're not going to let them in. But notice what he says, they rose up. They, so they start in the church. That's where most false prophets do begin. They don't begin from the outside coming in. They begin to develop within the body of Christ, within the fellowship. And they begin to uh, make a gathering and, and uh, take detours and things like that. So this is a, this is kind of a wake-up call, isn't it? I, I think we've been talking about this for several weeks, several months now, about being kind of alert to the warfare that's going on, to those that are dealing with uh, issues that need to be addressed and stuff. And so it's very important. And we started talking about that. Um, I'm not going to get into this, but we talked about God's example of God's judgment where he didn't spare the angels and he didn't spare the ancient world and he condemned the cities of Sodom no more and he rescued Lot. In other words, he's able to bring judgment and he has historically bringing, brought judgment upon groups of sinful people while at the same time preserving those that are righteous. That's kind of the lesson that he's been showing there. And so this, this sort of speaks to us here through Peter that in the fellowship there are those that are, have that have kind of arisen that are false prophets that are speaking things that are arrogant they are lustful they have open sinful lustful lives and stuff like that they're daring they're prideful self-willed um they revile they don't have any respect for angelic majesties they revile authorities and, and things of this nature and they they're called things like uh, unreasoning animals. They are creatures of instinct. They are those that uh, God has allowed there to be creatures that are destroyed to, to, to even display uh, judgment upon them. And so this, these are things that happen. And my question is, how do they begin in the church? What is it that causes them? And I think our passage kind of helps us to see that but with seeing that it's sort of a wake-up call to us because you know you read you read verses like at the end of the sermon on the mount 
where Jesus says very clearly that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not perform these miracles, signs, and things like that? And I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And these are people in the evangelical church that are being told from the Lord that they thought they were trusting that they are not really uh, his, and he is telling them to depart from me. These are serious wake-up calls, and these are serious things that I think we ought to give serious attention to, and that's true with the verses we're going to look at tonight. Um, and they really have spoken to me because I can honestly see areas in my life where these dangers are surfacing and these dangers are challenging my heart. I've, I've shared with you before uh, when the Bible says, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. I struggle with that because the world is attractive to me and the things in the world are attractive to me. And if I'm working at Lowe's and making money and can buy things and do things that the world uh, can offer, that's attractive to me. That's desiring to me. That appeals to my flesh. And I struggle with that. You understand what I'm saying? That's a real struggle. And I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to be detoured. Um, I can look back over my life um, and I can honestly see many, many times where the Lord delivered me or protected me from myself. From the decisions and the things that I pursued and embraced and where they could have led, but he intervened in one way or another. And some of them I look back and I kind of remember thinking, I wish he, that it hadn't ended that way. I wish I could have pursued it further. You see what I'm saying? And yet he intervened in mercy and grace and wisdom. And I'm so glad for what he's doing and how he's done it. So these words that we're looking at now are kind of on the forefront of my thinking um, as to these as to how we ought to be facing these things and how these things began so let's read it i'm going to read verse 20 and then we'll come verse 20 21 and 22 it's this is kind of at the end of our section where we were looking at those that were the the false prophets that are springs without water they are uh, slaves to their own lust, they're uh, slaves of corruption, they've over, been overcome by these things, they're ensnared, they are enslaved, and so uh, then Peter begins to say, for if, verse 20, if they have <coughs> escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The first the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the proverb, quote, a dog returns to his own vomit, end of quote. And quote, this is a, another proverb, but not a quote from the scripture. A sow, after washing, returns to waddling in the mire or waddling in the mud and so on and so forth. So here's this, this text. And I'm sure that you have studied this and you've heard it preached on and perhaps you've even heard it preached on that it's an evidence that a believer can lose his salvation. Uh, that's not 
true, and we know that's not true, but we also know that there are a lot of people who believe they're believers who are not. And therein lies the big danger, the people who think they're believers, but they're not. And so this verse kind of comes to us and gives us some, I guess, maybe an understanding of that. So let's look at it. Let me just break it down a little bit, and we won't, I don't know how much sense I'm going to make to you out of this verse, because it's really been impacting me. But anyway, verse 20 says, it starts off, it says, if after they have escaped the defilements, the idea of escape may be a little bit misleading as if they are, they are imprisoned in a way and they've escaped, but it also has the idea of they fled or run away from, they've run away from, from the defilements of the world. The defilements uh, relates to pollutions of the world, contaminants of the world. John MacArthur, I think in his Bible, used the word putrid or poisonous vapors, that there are things in the world that are deadly or dangerous or enslaving, um, and uh, that these, these false prophets and false teachers have managed to flee from at least the, the influence of some of these things, to get away from these things. And you can see that. I mean, you, you, it's obvious you can see how the world is falling apart and how things are going. And people, even people that are, are, are not saved, sometimes want to avoid the dangers of these things, the violence of these things, the corruption of these things, and try to build a system or a retreat or a monastery or whatever where they can get away from it. And that's kind of what these guys have done. They have, after they have escaped or fled from the pollutions of the world that's the world system the world with its toys its goals its distractions and by the way this maybe this say something here when you start looking at the text for example in first john where it talks about loving not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man loves the world the love of the father is not in him set your affection on things above not on things on the earth um it it may look like, as some have suggested, that God does not want us to be happy or fulfilled. That he is, if somebody's having fun, he gets mad and says, I don't want him having fun. Let's stop that. Smile. Well, that kind of nonsense. That's not the case. The case is that the world is doing everything it can to lure us away from God, from the Lord, and to lure, to capture our hearts and hold us deeper and deeper and deeper into um, lustful, sinful, rebellious things. That's what it is. It, it, the world system is antagonistic against the things of God because it's fallen. And Satan has, is kind of dominating that system and he's using that system. And so while I don't know what, I like traveling Disney World. I like to go to Disney World. I like to do it. I'd be glad to do it. I remember this has nothing to do with that. I remember Warner saying one time when David and them were going to Disney World for vacation, and I remember him saying, this is clear, he sitting over here, he was saying, I was telling him about going camping, how you could go camping out of uh, a place that was like that. He wants to go to Disney World. And I remember thinking, I'd rather go to Disney World too than to go camping. But anyway, there's a, that's whatever. Um, the world is, is, has a lot that's attractive, you know what I'm saying? And um, it's, easy to be, it's easy to be, I guess, sidetracked into that. And it's not that God wants us to be miserable. It's that he knows what's best. And I've been burdened with my life that I've been, it's easy for me to be 
absorbed just with my comfort. I mean, a lot of my time now that the Lord has taken Lane over, a lot of my time is spent just doing nothing but stuffing my face and feeding myself <laughs> and taking care of the kitty litter and stuff. I used to do that anyway, but um, it's just a lot of stuff that, that's, do you know what I'm saying? Just trivia that is not even important, but you kind of have to do it. And uh, so that's one reason why I eat out as much as I do just to save the time, but then I then I gotta spend the money. So it's, it's one, it's either six and one half dozen other. Anyway, um, I guess what I'm saying is that it's easy for us to, to be absorbed in uh, the things of the world and, and enjoying the things of the world and it seems to be sidetracked. And this verse is saying, don't be, these guys have tried to escape some of the pollutions of the world and the defilements of the world and the world system. And they've done it, notice this now, it says by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That word knowledge is the word epignosis, full knowledge. And I'm looking at that and I'm seeing these false teachers and I'm thinking that full knowledge, Peter relates full knowledge as being almost synonymous with salvation in second Peter chapter one, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then he says in verse eight, for these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the arena of this full knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm looking at this and I'm looking at these false prophets and false teachers. And I know that these false prophets and these false teachers can't be saved and be, and be really false prophets and false teachers. And they, they, I know that. And yet here's this, these verses that seem to indicate that they are very closely associated with salvation, with the work that God is doing. That's why they're, that's the one way they got in the church. They were in the church. They, uh, they had an influence under the gospel and they began to, to, to learn and develop these things in their lives, but they're not genuinely saved. And my question is, how can that be but then I remember verses like the parable of the sower, where you have the gospel being sown and four soils represent four kind of parts. One is hard part that doesn't receive the gospel, but two of them, the one with the, the uh, stony shallow soil and one with the infection of weeds, two of them represent people whose hearts receive the gospel. But in one case, persecution and hardship comes and they bail out and run away and forget it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And they print out not to be real. And the second one receives the gospel. And then the weeds grow up and things like pleasure, riches, and wealth. So that's what speaks to me the most of those four. And those, they choke out the gospel so that it is not fruitful. So here are some examples in the scripture of people who are coming into church studying, having a very close relationship with the Lord and being associated, growing perhaps in, in their understanding of some of the doctrines as much as they can do. As a, with an, an, and it's not that unbelievers can't understand these things, it's that their heart is not able to embrace them and not able to apply them and to work them into their lives and to surrender. Uh, 
one one good uh, thought is we think sometimes of the gospel and the salvation as being an instant decision. We get that from the hour of decision and the name of that, that salvation comes as an instant decision. But the Bible doesn't say that. And I think of Luke 14, where Jesus preaches, and he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, no man can be my disciple. He does not hate his mother, father, wife, sister, brother, and his own life also. And if anyone wants to, to uh, if any man will come after me, let him follow me, take his cross and follow me. He goes on saying that. And then he says, count the cost. Well, count the cost is not something that you do on an instant. It's something that you've been thinking about over a period of time as you have been thinking about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so here's a, here's a, there's a process of, of understanding. You understand what I'm saying? These process of grabbing these things, these truths from the scripture and beginning to assimilate them and deciding how you're going to deal with them. And here's, here's this, these guys here that he's talking about who are in this relationship with this full knowledge with of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this arena uh, of which salvation has blossomed in the lives of many. And they are, he has said they yet they are again entangled in them. In other words, they are they are they come out of the world system, they come to the church, they begin to grow in these things, but then all of a sudden, uh, it says like the, the word again is important. If you want to look at the text and look at that word again, that tells us that something is happening that has happened before. In fact, the idea has made you can translate that and, and they once more or as before are entangled in them so that they come out of a system, they embrace these things, but then they end up going back into that system or being entangled, entwined, uh, involved, interwoven. I don't know if I'm being clear, but this, this, the, the things that are in the world that are attractive that they shunned have begun to pull them back and they are coming back into it while being in the church while having that influence in the church and they're being entangled in them and they are overcome. I think of what first John says. First John five says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So here we have true believers are those that overcome. These false prophets are overcome themselves by the system, by these things in the world that attract them, these things in the world that attract me. This is why this is such a wake-up call to me, because I can see, I can see the 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 the, the ease with which things in the world and pleasures in the world can pull me do you see what i'm saying can pull me to the to into this arena and i am just really these verses have really kind of awoken me up to that and he goes on to say that the last state the final place the idea here is that the latter end of these people has now become worse than the beginning they are worse off than they were at the beginning at the beginning they came, they were in the world but they saw that there was something that was devastating and destructive and deadly and damning or whatever and they came out they came to the world they liked what they saw perhaps they they liked the gospel message perhaps they believed by the way just 
you need to know this. Um, we, we use terms to describe believers or Christians, and we one of the terms we use is believer. But there are, for example, John 2, 23 and Acts 8, 13 and Acts uh, 8, 18 through 20. There are those who are called believers who are not really genuinely saved. There can be believers who fall away. Same thing with the disciple. There are disciples that are followers of the Lord. But in John 6, 66, we're looking at the gospel, John. The disciples who turned around and walked away and wouldn't, wouldn't follow him anymore. And so this is, this is see, this is hard to understand how it is because I, I want to reduce the salvation message and the gospel to a formula and get that those little three, four points like in 1 Corinthians 15 and then set it and then set and then I know if you've believed and done this and you're in and if you haven't done this then you're not but it's not always quite as cut and dry as that. God knows the heart. We don't. And it's possible, and I've seen this happen, where people can be in the ministry for many years. Now, I'm not going to mention the name, but my son would know him instantly if I mentioned when we were in California. Uh, we were out there, and there was a Christian radio station. I don't remember the call. It doesn't matter anyway, but there was a Christian radio station. And uh, every day for five days a week, they would have about five of the big, big preachers on Chuck Swindoll and John MacArthur and several others. Okay, one of those preachers, a big one that was a, actually a, 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 a seminary friend and associate with John MacArthur, um, was one of those big preachers. But all of a sudden, he left his wife and ran off with his secretary, and his ministry just died and he ended up working with the Pentecostal group and stuff like that and he was a phenomenal speaker preacher I mean I, I can promise you if you heard his tapes you would really he would be one of your favorite preachers he was a good communicator very dynamic very clear he did a series on prophecy and was really good and stuff like that but all of a sudden he turns around and runs away and uh, that's a that's a hard thing it's it's hard to put that into common understanding or sense it's just a really a difficult thing how this can happen but it does happen and it just is a warning for us to be careful when the bible says to examine yourself that you be in the faith that's a serious call that's a real serious call because it's possible for us to to it's possible for us that we can be deceived just the, the flesh is very interesting. So we just want to be sure. You understand what I'm saying? Just want to be sure that you know the Lord, you love the Lord, and that he's working in your life. And every day you want to have your heart sensitive. That's why one of my favorite verses is Psalm 37, 4. I believe it says correct. It's, yeah, I believe it's either 34, 7 or 34. I think it's 37, 4, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Doesn't mean that if you delight yourself in the Lord, that he's going to take that new Subaru that you want to buy and he's going to give it to you. Doesn't mean that. It means if you delight yourself in the Lord, that he's going to change the desires. He's going to give you the new desires that will really fulfill your life and make you give you purpose. And that's what I want uh, because my heart can long after things it shouldn't long for. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand? Does that make sense to you? And so this is important. This verse is is telling us then here that here are these guys that have escaped the world and they've run after these other things. Um, I need to finish up because we're, we're getting low on time. 
verse 21 says, it would be better for these guys to have not known the way of life, the way of righteousness, the way of rightness, the, the walk of right. The, 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 the believers in the New Testament frequently were called the way, which is the life and the, the, the way of describing them. And this is just speaking of the life that is focused on what is right, what is God-centered. It's the Christian life. It would be better if they had not known something about the, the way of living rightly and the way of seeking to please God than having to known it, to, to be acquainted with it's the idea, and yet to turn away, actually, uh, that turn away could be better translated, turn back from the Holy Commandment, which is the word of God that was handed on to them. They have, they're worse off having been in the world, coming into the church, getting these things, and now being drawn back. They're worse off. It'd be better if they hadn't been born in that sense. There's verse 22, then, the last verse of our text. This has happened to us, according to this true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit. And that, that idea there means he's turned back to his own vomit. And a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. And this, the, those verses there do not teach that a person can lose his salvation. A dog in the, proverb, the verse that's quoted by Proverbs is Proverbs 26, 11. It says, like a dog returns to his vomit, so is a fool who repeats his folly. A fool is not a believer. A fool is a person who rejects the Lord. Uh, David said, a fool has said no to, his God, to God in his heart. He's negative toward God. That's foolishness. When you turn your back on the Lord and the truth, that's a fool. And uh, so here is this, this passage here. This bit, just simply saying that these people were not really believers, but they were in the church. And they had responsibility. And they were... They were convinced to the, that they were right. And here's where it speaks to me, see, is I'm in the church just like they are. And I have knowledge just like they did. And I can see these things that are attractive to me. I'm not just pointing to you guys, but I can see these things that are attractive to me in the world. And they are luring me in that sense. And this verse is, and this is why it's powerful. This verse is just saying, Peter, listen to what God is saying and let him work in your heart. Let him Put those break. Let him continue to protect you from yourself. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Because my flesh, my my sinful nature wants to indulge itself, wants to live for self, wants to live for pleasure, wants to indulge itself. And the word says, no, let the Lord have his way, pursue him and follow him. Okay, that's that's just really very important. And so. Uh, that's that's what that verse has been saying to me. I've been sitting there yesterday, Saturday, uh, yesterday at Lowe's going over this thing in the morning. I, it was like the Lord just slapped me back and forth across the face of this verse, just teaching me to listen to him and take him seriously. Because he is God and he knows what's best and he's going to do it and we want to cooperate with him. Um, remember Romans 8, 28. Somebody, not 8, 28. Let me see. Romans uh, 9, 10, 9 and 10. Does anybody remember that verse by heart? That's right. That's right. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That, that's the, that is the external profession uh, that Jesus is Lord. That's your life. That's the cooperation of what you say. And if you believe in your heart. That Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. In other words, if you acknowledge Jesus in your life, He is your sovereign, sovereign, 
He's your boss, he's your Lord, and you believe these things in your heart will be saved. And that's good. That's that's what we want to do. And uh, that's really important. Let's, let me close in prayer. Question. Yeah, right there. This whole context here, these false teachers, are they intentionally teaching a lie? Or are they... I think they're deceived, is what I think. I, yeah, I think they're they, deceived. Are they, are they the Bible talks about these guys deceiving and being deceived. And uh, that's that's the date. That's what's so scary about this is that when you turn their back on the truth, you've given over to error. And you can brace error and you can really believe that it's true. And you can just really fight for something that's not true and promote something that's not true. That's why they're worse off than ever before because they have been deceived and they're given over to error. I, yeah, I'm not saying that there are none that are not deliberately. There, there may be plants that are working like spies that are that come into the church, but I think the uh, I think most, the Judaizers they came down. I think the Judaizers really convinced that 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 the church that Gentiles needed to have the law to keep it. I mean, they were really convinced about that, and I and that, but they were wrong. They were wrong. Yes, Pete. I think that's really the point of verse 22 there where he quotes that proverb and um, they're, they're both they both mean the same thing right yeah, they do. <clears throat> so to take the illustration of the dog um, I remember a couple times in my life where I've seen a dog do that I remember it's even gross but I remember one time watching a dog poop on the grass turn right around and start eating you know and, and I because I, I was so shocked you know, yeah. as a kid yeah. you know you're just like that's disgusting. Why would you do that? And what this proverb is saying is when you look at a dog doing that and you see him doing it, it doesn't make sense to you. What, well, why is it why is he doing that? Because he's a dog. In other words, it's the nature of the animal that needs to be changed. Right? That's exactly the dog comes back to his father because it's a dog. The fool repeats his father because he's a fool. The sow goes back to the mud because they're the sow is a pig, right? And and that's that's you're you're exactly right. It's not a loss of salvation. It's that the nature of the person has never been changed. And so your nature, you're apart from Christ, apart from that trend we're going to talk about in, in sunrise. You know that that's really what Jesus is getting at. It's on the resurrection and the life. He's not stuttering. There's two different meanings there. And if you don't have the life. You're not going to get the resurrection until two. You're not going to get the new body until your new heart is changed, right? Yeah. It's so. So I mean, you're, I think you're absolutely right. And I think to answer Larry's question is, you know, it's it's these these people, though they they've been washed outwardly, you know, for a period of time, or it's all dressed up for the fair and because they're well wanted or something, right? Um, when all that's over and the, the hour restraints are gone, the animal right the comes out again. Yeah, that's right. And it goes right back. Why don't you close the prayer? Father, these are these are really, really serious things. They get right to the heart of, of the gospel because um, as as Dan pointed out, he's right that, that there are many, many who will uh, will say, Lord, Lord, and I've been in, in preparation Sunday school, been in a similar text in Luke 13, where it says, uh, uh, are there not many who are saved? And, and 
and you warn us there to strive earnestly because there are many who will want to get in who won't be able to. And uh, that's, those are sobering, sobering words. And, and so, Father, I, I pray that, that uh, all of us will examine ourselves. Do we still have the old nature or has our heart been truly changed by you? And, and, and we, can, we can know that for sure. Scripture says uh, that we can, um, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. We, we can know that. But we can also be very easily deceived. So we call on you because it's not magic, it's true. We know the power is not in the words that we say or even the creed that we sign up for, but it's in, it's in the Savior coming to know you, showing you who he is. So I pray that, that you would do that work in our, our hearts as well as others. Uh, bring many to yourself uh, in these days. I pray this in Jesus' name.